Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers. I'm Heather Kaufman-Peters. I'm the mother of one teenage boy. I'm a preschool teacher and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet, mom to two boys, former middle school teacher, homeschooler, and writer. Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, episode 20. Um, Heather, did you know that in India's Intelligence Bureau is the oldest organized intelligence agency in the world? P.S. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Did you know that MI5 and MI6 were both formed in 1909, but no one ever confirmed that MI6 was actually a real entity until 1994, even though at a huge green building in the middle of London? Isn't that crazy? Yes. Right? I got it out of one of the books that we'll be talking about at the end of the day. Margie, did you know that an immigrant Scotsman created the Pinkerton Detective Agency in America, which ended up being the precursor to the FBI? Uh, Seriously? Yeah. And from its beginning in 1850, the Pinkertons hired women and people of color. Because that makes sense. And Abraham Lincoln hired them to protect him and to help enforce federal law. I don't think they did their job there. Spoiler alert. (laughs) (laughs) Then, of course, eventually the agency just devolved into a goon squad that was used by companies to break up unions. You know, that sounds more like it. That sounds more like what I was expecting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god okay well listeners you can all tell that by this random info which we do share a lot of random info <laughs> yes we, we do we would be like if you ever need us for trivia night at your local bar call us up because we're good for that because we read a lot um you can tell that this episode is going to just dis- expose the deep and dark secrets from the world of espionage mm-hmm. all through the eyes of daring middle schoolers <laughs> um we're going to be talking about city so- city spies city thighs there we go <laughs> <laughs> no not city thighs <laughs> That would be bad. City Spies by James Ponty and The Double Cross by Jackson Pierce and Etiquette and Espionage by Gail Carriger. It's so exciting. I'm so excited. I love spies. So shall we hack into these titles? Oh my God, definitely. So I have been into spies and spy work and all things spies forever. And I used to, when I was a kid, imagine it now, picture it now, a little chubby girl on a farm in Iowa with her pigtails off to the side, because that's what my mother knew how to do with my hair. Nothing else. You didn't do the side ponytail? No, no. That didn't come around till middle school. But then I had a mullet and couldn't do it. But didn't we all like have bad fashion choices then? But I had like really, really thick hair that did all kinds of weird things. And my mother, who's never had long hair in her life, had no idea what to do with it. So she just used to put those like handlebars on the side of your head, you know? Yes. So anyway, I used to come home from school and watch, I would always watch Maxwell Smart, on uh, Get Smart, you know? Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be Agent 99 because she was the smart one, obviously. He couldn't do anything without contacting 99 first. And I would I was really obsessed with the shoe phone idea. So I would be like at my grandma's on the farm with my pigtails, like running around in my little chubby polyester gear. Cause that's what we wore, you know? And I would slip off my shoe and my little, you know, my little shoe up to my ear and just, I'd talk into it or something. And my grandmother would be like, Oh, Margaret, Jesus, Mary and Joseph, what are you doing, Margaret? Put your shoe on. But I was a spy and I have been obsessed with spies ever since then. P.S. Still chubby. P.S. Still wear pigtails. God rest Grandma McCarty. She's not around anymore to yell at me. So I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep your shoes on for this episode and let's get started. Let's start 
start off with yours first, Margie. Why don't you tell us about Double Cross? Obviously, now I've revealed a lot about myself in that last moment. There's a lot of spy books out there, right? Right. But I read this one, and this is by Jackson Pierce. When it said that Hale, they call him Hale the Whale, P.S. Oh, no. Right? And Hale can't pass the physical exam. And he's a little on the chunky side. And because he's on the chunky side, he can't quite get past the sit-up part or the running part to become a junior spy. And you had me with Chunky Side. All I knew was like, I have to read this book because any book where the fat kid reigns supreme is a book for me. I just, I don't know why. I love them. I think we all know why, because I'm always going to cheer on the fat kid. But it was just such a nice sort of fresh approach to it. Like, Instead of being, you know, like traumatized by this or that, it was just like, oh, I'm fat. I live in this family of spies. I can't pass the test. And the best part in the whole thing is they have to wear these black spandex suits. And he's like, as you know, that's like every fat kid's nightmare. And I'm like, girl, I hear that. The imagery is so perfect. They like, because it's, here's the kid. And he goes to the, the lady that makes their spy gear. And she's like, oh, hail again. Which, hello, if you've ever been a chubby kid, you've heard that from anybody who had to make a costume for you or anybody who had to give you a uniform. They'd be like, oh, you again. Because she'd have to remake and patch together a couple Kevlar vests to make out the sides for to get Hale's suit to fit him. It was just hilarious. So anyway, this came out in 2015. And it's actually there's two books. The first one is called The Double Cross. And the second one is called The Inside Job. And it's the story of Hale Jordan, the spy in trading. And he he and his sister Kennedy have been born into the Sub Rosa Society or SRS by their parents. If your parents are spies, then you're going to be a spy because you're born there. You live there. You live in this compound. You've never gone anywhere else. So all the kids he knows, they've all gone through spy training. That's their schooling. They go through spy training. So did his sister and everything. And he's doing really well. He just can't pass that physical exam. And at the beginning of the book, he does pass the physical exam part one of the physical training but he does it by outsmarting everybody so like he sets off fire extinguishers he does like all these kind of trickster moves to get and he comes in first but they they're like well that doesn't count because you just did it by tripping everybody else up and he's like but isn't that what a spy does and by any means necessary and by the end of that i'm like hail you have my heart I was like, it was brilliant. It was really funny. So um, as things start to progress, his parents are going on a mission that they're not comfortable with. He hears them over talk over and overhears them talking and they don't come back. So that's where it all kind of kicks Hale into gear. And Hale decides that even though he hasn't passed the levels to become a junior spy yet, he's going to go save his parents. He's going to find them and he's going to save his parents. And that's, you know, that's basically the gist of the book. He, they have a competitive agency that he's he thinks are the bad guys. He thinks they have his parents and then he ends up double crossing the SRS by working with another group of spy agents. It was just, I mean, it was, it's just a fun book. I definitely think it was like lower middle grade just because it's just fun to read. It's not intense. It's not like, it's the perfect book for these times. And it's funny because it came out in 2015 and 2016, the second one, but it's really something that I think should be revisited now because right now we all just need a laugh. We need a good a good story that goes somewhere. And you definitely have a few of those, oh, didn't see that coming moments. But you're not like on the edge of your seat, anxious, like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Oh my God, don't hurt these kids. Uh, you know what I mean? Like so many books that we're reading right now have been. So I just think it deserves a good shout out. And it's a really fun and entertaining book. There's nothing too complex in it, especially with storylines, words, nothing like that, that I would say would be too hard for um, a lower middle grade reader. 
I think an upper middle grade reader would totally find it fun and exciting and entertaining. They would definitely be entertained by Hale and his some of his hijinks. One of his friends that he meets during the double cross is an inventor. And he invents all these great spy gadgets that Hale uses. And, and they, his name is Ben. So everything like I've been seeing you or my eyes been on you or everything, <laughs> like all the, the tools are all named with these funny little um, Ben-isms. So that's really fun too. Because, you know, spycraft is always a good addition to any kid book. So yeah, it was just a great fun book. Uh, you know, I looked online, not a lot of criticisms. A lot of people would say like, oh, it was too hokey or something. I'm like, yeah, that's totally the point. If you didn't think it was hokey, then you missed the point of the whole book because it was supposed to be kind of hokey, kind of fun, just a spy thriller without so much thrill and more laughs. It was very get smartish. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. It was like, get smart. It was like one of those naked gun, like those kind of corny movies like that, which I thought was hilarious. I loved it. I loved it. I give it, definitely give it a thumbs up and I'm going to read the next one because I want to know what happens. You have a sense of closure at the end of the first book, but you don't really, you know, he's up to something else and you know, he's going to be up to something else. And you really like the main character, Hale, and you want to see what he can pull off next. I wonder if that's a trope of spy novels, because I feel like all the books we read this time around kind of have that where the ending isn't super satisfying. I mean, it's not a bad ending, but it's just like you want to, it makes you want to follow them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's no like full total conclusion, you know, right. Right. They didn't quite get their butts out of the ringer. They got, they're okay for now, but it's only, you can feel that it's only temporary. Yeah, I agree. I have to say, yeah, a lot of spy books that I have read for kids. I don't read grown-up spy books. They're too much for me. I always feel like those are for old white men too. I love espionage. I I should get into it, but I really don't want to hear about old white men doing things like that. I I need something more. Yeah. Instead, we've got chubby little boys and uh, girls in uh, corsets. (laughs) Yes. And that's what I want to hear about. So I think this is so perfect, but I, I just think it's like the books we've chosen for this section could not more perfectly match our personality. Like I, I chose the comedy with the fat kid and yours is a British story about a, about a girl's finishing school. <laughs> and isn't it, it's period. It's right. Yeah. It's um Victorian area era because it's steampunk. Oh, it is steampunk. Oh, cool. Yeah. I read etiquette and espionage by Gail Carriger. And I have to say, even though I really enjoyed this book, I think I've finally tested my limits of my love for all things British. <laughs> oh my God. Mark it down. Mark it down. <laughs> because there was a ton of class snobbery in this book and it was just a little bit too much for this American heart to take. Uh, Especially right now. Yeah. After the whole Oprah interview and all that stuff, I was like, yeah, I don't know. So anyway, let me talk about it here. I'll get I'll get to all that in a minute. So Etiquette and Espionage by Gail Carriger is a steampunk fiction. So for those of you who aren't familiar with that genre, steampunk is a Victorian era setting where the technology is based on steam engines. So they have robots and other crazy machines that didn't exist in real Victorian Eng- England. So it's basically a subgenre of science fiction and it's retro futuristic. Oh, that's a big word. P.S. Segway, my librarian told me that when I was having a hard time finding eco-fiction. Yeah. She said that's because it's new. It's the same thing as steampunk fiction was a couple years ago because somebody labeled it, but there wasn't enough out. And then as things keep coming out, things go back and re- retroactively relabel books that fall into that category. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I know for steampunk, there's probably not a lot of kids books in that genre. She said YA, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this steampunk story is set at a finishing school for girls where they are secretly being trained to become spies. So you have classes like dance and then you have classes like dagger throwing. (laughs) 
Excellent. I would have done well there. Yeah. So it's pretty fun and it's, you know, very subversive. But, uh, the main character is 14 year old Sophronia, who is not like her sisters who are into fashion and ribbons. She's a bit of a daredevil and always getting into trouble. She's also very smart and very observant. Um, and one day a woman comes to her home to tell her mother that Sophronia has been accepted at a finishing school for girls, which to Sophronia sounds horrible, but to her mother, it sounds like the perfect solution to her Sophronia problem, who has no interest in being pretty and getting married. Right. I'm with you, Sophronia. So Sophronia is taken away in a carriage by the headmistress of this school, who Sophronia instantly doesn't trust because something's just a little bit off about her. And on the way, the carriage is overtaken by what they think are highway robbers, but it turns out are spies looking for an important device that the headmistress is supposed to have. So Sophronia saves them from the thugs by driving the carriage out of the situation. Of course she does. Go girl. She just took the reins and took off. Yeah, she did. <laughs> Love it. And uh, when they arrive at the school, which by the way, is floating in the clouds through the use of hot air balloons and steam punkiness and can only be reached with the help of a werewolf wearing a top hat. Obviously. <laughs> He jumps each girl onto the landing platform. And that's when Sophronia starts to realize that the world is not really what she thought it was. <laughs> so she makes friends with a girl who seems to know everything about the school and werewolves and what's going on. And that's when Sophronia realizes that there's this whole like hidden world that she didn't know anything about. And she's basically an outsider. But she was handpicked to join the school by someone who observed her talents and recommended her, which is very rarely done. So she's like sort of this unique gem at the school because this hardly ever happens. It's usually same thing like your, your story where you're born into it. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, very, I almost said Harry Potter-ish, but... <laughs> I know how you feel. Oh, there we go again. That's okay. But it's kind of cool because, of course, the whole that's the whole trope because then we get to learn about this crazy world along with Sophronia. It's got very tongue-in-cheek humor and Sophronia's outsiderness is what saves the book from being too snobby. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Right, because she doesn't really buy into a lot of it either. So as the reader, you're following along with her. But I have to say, I cringed because the girls like automatically organize themselves by their hierarchy and British society, mm -hmm. just kind of on their own with like the title girls or hold more social power in the school, which I was like, okay, whatever. But then there's also a boy of color in the story and he's presented, of course, as lowest in society. Um, although Sophronia doesn't care and befriends him. So I guess that saves it. But I don't know. I just found those yeah. two things kind of cringy. I just think it's already a fictional world. Why do we have to include? Why do we need to be racist? Racist and, and yeah. classist and all that. I mean, I realize it's steampunk and that's a little bit a part of it, but I don't know. I just feel like it's fiction. I feel like that's fiction. Let's yeah, the whole point out. of fiction is bust yeah. it out, like that bust out of those, the crap that is our reality. Yeah. Right. Uh, the story itself was very lighthearted and fun. And like I said, very tongue in cheek and, and there was a lot of humor. So, and it didn't take itself too seriously. So I guess it's sort of it, because Sophronia doesn't take anything too seriously. So I guess that's sort of, you know, negates some of that stuff that was going on that I didn't like, but the item that the thugs were looking for in the beginning turns out to be a prototype, a steampunk 
kind of machine that they have to get back. And that basically becomes like the MacGuffin that drives the plot. But the story isn't really about the device. It's more about the finishing school and the world and getting to know everything. Oh, I was going to say the world building, it must be fabulous, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Above and beyond the plot? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. This book is about the world building. The plot, although it's like really you know, a lot of action and a lot happening. Like I said, the the device they're trying to get back is basically a MacGuffin. Like you don't even really find out like what it is or why it is. I haven't read like the next books in the series, but obviously that wasn't the main part of this story. Okay. So it was more about the world building. Setting everything up. Yeah. And showing you this crazy school, which is so fun. And, you know, these girls know that they're growing up to be spies. And so some of them will be married off to prominent men for the specific reason of being put in place to be spies. Um, It it was labeled YA. I definitely think that was a bit of a mislabel because it sort of got mixed reviews. And I don't, again, I haven't read the rest of the books in the series, so maybe they get more YA-ish. But really this book, I would say, is more upper middle grade. There's no romance, no violence. That's exactly what I was going to ask you because it was labeled as YA. Pardon me, segue listeners who didn't listen to last week's episode bonus episode as to tell the difference between the two go back stop right now hit the pause button go back into your library pick up last week's and you'll understand why we're asking these questions are you done okay now you can go forward go on (laughs) so yeah there were none of the like more serious things in this book good but like i said i mean maybe it gets more serious i just haven't read that far into it yet so definitely the first book like if you had an eighth grader or ninth grader they could read the first book and then probably grow with each book Book, you know, like as they get older. So how many are there? There are four. And it's called the the Finishing School series. That's what the series is called. And there are four books. The last book came out in 2015, I think, because this book, this first one came out in 2013. So yeah, it's been out for a while. So what did the mixed reviews say? Okay, so here's the other interesting thing about this book. Carriger has adult books called the Parasol Protectorate. And that is a series set in the same world. So people who loved those books didn't quite like these the same way because they weren't as complicated or detailed because they're for kids, kids, right? And so that sort of gave it like these weird mixed reviews. And I think it also got mixed reviews because the YA audience didn't necessarily buy it as YA either. So there was no sex. Right. So it's definitely like, I definitely think it fits right in that upper middle grade pocket. Again, I don't know, like as the stories move along, if it gets more YA, but that's what I think kind of happened with it. But it's, if it came out in 2013, it could have been, it might've just been right at that point where, you know, that there wasn't really a big differentiation between lower and and upper middle grade. So maybe it just kind of got caught some of those books that got caught. Yeah. Would you, did it hold your attention enough? Would you read the other ones or? Yeah, I, I think I might. I mean, once I got past the snobbery stuff, I think I, I, it was really fun. And I would like to read more just to see kind of what happens with the main character and where she ends up. I mean, I've critiqued these books this way, but they were all bestsellers. Oh, really? Obviously, a lot of people. We all know that bestseller doesn't always mean anything. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I didn't enjoy it quite as much as some of the other books that I've read, like the, the Taylor 
Taylor and Rose books or the Murder Most Unladylike books. I thought those were more fun. And uh, Murder Most Unladylike is by Robin Stevens and Taylor and Rose is by Catherine Woodfine. Now, uh, Gail Carriger is very famous in this world, but mostly for adult books. For adult steampunk. Yeah. So like if you really enjoy her as adult, you know, you might want to give this book to your kids so they you can share in the world. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that's kind of a cool concept. And, you know, that's somewhat common of taking an adult book and making it re kind of reworking it for kids. But yeah, so that's kind of a cool concept. Awesome. Well, that's cool because I wanted to hear about that. I judged that book by its cover. Oh, the covers are fantastic. And honestly, if I was an eighth grade girl, I would love the covers because they look so grown up. Yeah. You know, they have grown women on the covers and cool dresses. Awesome. All right, cool. Our last book that we're going to talk about is City Spies by James Ponty. We totally saved the best for last. I can't wait to talk about this book. Margie, you want to give us the summary so, so we can talk about it? Yeah, but first of all, we need to both clarify that we both did the exact same thing and we both read the book and then we stopped and read our other book because we didn't want City Spice to end. So we saved a little bit for last. I didn't want it to stop. I didn't want it to be done. I, I loved it so much. I just finished the end this morning even. I just did it yesterday. Yeah. Because I loved it and I wanted to see what happened. And it was, uh, I loved it. All right. So City Spies is by James Ponty, as, as Heather said. It just came out last year. Um, and it came out in paperback last month. So it's a fresh one. It has been everywhere, though. So many recommendations in the short time that it's been on the market. It's gotten rave reviews. It's a great, diverse cast. Oh my the gosh. writing is just absolutely... I just want to talk about the cast real quick before I get into this. It's a series of kids, all from different, really bad situations all over the world. So we have a Rwandan kid from Paris. We have um, a Puerto Rican girl from Brooklyn. We have a girl from Australia who, uh, she's always standing up for the um, in the Aboriginal tribe. It wasn't clear if she was, but anyway, we got that in there. We have a girl from Kathmandu. We have like this, you know, just really interesting, interesting characters that is a beautiful, diverse cast of characters. So I think that's really interesting. So anyway, it starts off the, this first one, and this is the first one. There are more coming, so which is good. So this, this is the first book, and it focuses on Sarah. And Sarah has been bouncing in and out of foster homes in Brooklyn for years. And she, at the very beginning of the book, she's about to go to juvie because she's been charged with hacking and breaking into a bank. She's a hacker. But however, at the very last minute, her attorney gets changed and she has no idea what's happening because she's 12. And the attorney's like, do you trust me? I will keep you out of jail. Do you trust me? And if, if you don't, you know, that's fine. If you do, then let's go forward. And this guy is like this long, lanky British guy who's kind of a hot mess. And you loved him from the minute he appears. You're just like, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm going to love him. And he actually takes her, gets her out of jail, takes her to what's supposed to be like a special school. And he makes a deal with the judge that she will go to the special school to sort of serve her time. Well, the special school turns out to be in Scotland and he goes by mother. That's what his code name mother. I love that. He's like this tall, lanky guy named mother. And he's an MI6 agent and she is joining an elite squad of MI6 agents. And her new code name is Brooklyn because they're all named after where they came from. So there's Paris, there's Brooklyn, there's Kat from Kathmandu, it's, there's Sydney, and it's just brilliant. I loved that concept. It was just so brilliant. So she has just enough time to train in Scotland, Brooklyn does, 
and embrace her new code name and become who she is and get to know the team before they are sent to France to protect one of the world's most important computer geniuses, AKA a very sort of shocking resemblance to Elon Musk um, <laughs> while pretending to comp uh, to compete with the team in this uh, international science competition. It was so wonderful. The writing is so wonderful. And thankfully, City Spies 2, uh, City Spies Golden Gate book 2 came out last week. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Perfect timing. I, I cannot. I don't even know where to start. It was so great. It was like, from the minute you start reading it, you don't want to put it down. You love these characters. P.S. Um, James Ponty, he's an American. You uh, you and I both thought he was had to be British because yeah. he was so right on with the dialogue and everything. No, he's an American guy living in Florida. He's got a lot of spy books out for kids and adults. And I'm going to fan on him because I, I have to say, I just am blown away by his writing. And I can't believe I never came across him before. I thought the same thing. So I listened to it, the audible version of it, but I'm definitely going to buy it because I want to break down how he did this book because you are in so many different characters' heads, but never are you confused. No. Never do you not understand what's going on, which is such a huge feat because a lot of middle grade books get criticized for having too many characters, too much stuff going on because it's hard for kids to follow. This book, none of that. And also, I'm a huge fan of precise and concise writing. Oh, yeah. And this is just completely that. Like, there's nothing that doesn't need to be in this book. It's all to the point, and it jumps to just like the very important scenes. So you're not getting anything else. You're just getting the action and what's happening. And you're in different people's heads. So you're getting different perspectives of what's happening at the time in, in the form of how you need it to understand what's going on. But you're not getting this like, oh, my palms are sweating, blah, 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 blah. Like no. all this inner angst or anything. You're just cutting to the chase, which I think is because... He actually wrote for Disney and Nickelodeon. Oh, and he, yeah, I, I think that he really but, you know, a lot of people do that. And then it doesn't work out so well when they try to write a book. I think that he just applied James Ponty. You know, we're going to fangirl you now. But I think yes. he just applied what worked on television and was somehow able to successfully craft that into a book. And man, was he successful. I was blown away. So impressed by this one. Yes. And I love how the characters are all different ages. Again, we talked about this in the last episode about how you can slide in older characters, especially like when you have a cast like this of all yeah. these different kids from all over because our main character is 12, but we, some of the kids were like 16. So it's really cool to see the dynamic between the kids and their different ages and their different skill levels. Like none of the kids have parents. We don't even really know what happened to Brooklyn's parents. We just know that she's so she doesn't have any. I mean, it's pretty easy to assume why Paris was living alone in Paris. He was a Rwandan refugee. Or, right. They've all been abandoned or... Yeah, they're orphans or orphans. something like that, which I think is what gives it, makes perfect sense to make them a little bit more mature. Yeah. And they have that sort of edge to them that's very believable because they didn't have anyone taking care of them most of their life, you know. But there's also not a ton of time spent on backstory, which I think will come out in the other books. Slowly, their backstories will be revealed. But don't bog me down in the first book with everybody's backstory. I don't care. You only get the backstory that you need. Yeah. Like even mothers, even like mother's backstory, you only get what you need. And, you know, he was burned in a fire and that makes perfect sense why no one ever recognizes him. And the MI6 is using him to hit their advantage because of that. And, and there were a lot of like, whoa, moments too, Did you, especially towards the end. Did you catch some of those where you were like, 
I did not see that coming. I love that in a book, especially in a middle grade book. Yeah. Just, I love that, like to any, that element of surprise where you're, the twists and turns that you just, I mean, as a kid, you crave that too. So yeah, I love that. And there's definitely some going on here. Oh yeah. And it was fun to try to work out because they never quite know who the bad guy is. And so it's fun to like speculate on who it could be. And then like there was this whole episode where they know something and the one girl's trying to deliver a speech to get a message to them. And it was like, she'd had no idea what she was doing. And I thought that was so perfect because she's trying to get a message to them in another location who are watching her on television, but she can't figure out like how to give them the right clues. And it just ends up being, even they're like, what is she saying? <laughs> so perfect. Cause you know, like, okay, yeah, you're just a kid. They're just teenagers. Right. They're going to fail sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't come so easily, but God, it was just a great book. Speaking of some of the tropes that we kind of talked about in the last episode, I also thought it had that awesome fantasy element for kids of kids doing things that were so cool. Yeah. So the main character, she kind of gets their attention the of MI6 because she, she hacked into her favorite astronaut, who is a woman, into her email account. Oh, but it just happened to be while she was in outer space. Right, right. <laughs> So, wish her happy birthday. Wish her happy birthday. I love that story. I thought it was hilarious. And like they're running through the catacombs in Paris and this stuff that like, of course, Paris knows these because he hid in them. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know there were the catacombs that you could go <gasps> oh through. Oh my in gosh, Paris like I knew that. I've been I in them. I didn't know you could go in them. <laughs> That was one of the things my son really wanted to do when we went to France. And so we took the tour of the catacombs and I have pictures standing next to all the bones. They have them stacked up. It's really creepy. I don't know. My claustrophobic self couldn't handle it. I think. Oh I yeah. Think you have it. to go down pretty far. I love that part because I was like, yes, that was so smart because not everybody knows that's there. And so that was really cool. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I can't say enough about this book. And if I say anymore, I'm going to give you spoilers, but... It was just, I mean, go read it. Everybody needs to read it. I don't think it's a book for kids. I think it's a book for everyone. I think like you're a fool if you don't enjoy this book somewhere along the line. Like you have no soul. I agree. This isn't one of those books where like people will be disappointed because it wasn't like what they thought it was going to be. I mean, like any age could read this book and totally enjoy it. I I didn't know what to expect. Like there wasn't any preconceived notion or anything like that. No, I mean, my only preconceived notion about this book was the cover and it was way better than what I was expecting. <laughs> I mean, no, no disrespect to the illustrator. It's just not, it doesn't. Does not serve the book. Yeah, it doesn't. It sort of discourages certain readers, I would think. Like a ninth grader is not going to pick that up and go, oh, I want to read this. But a ninth grader would totally enjoy this book. Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, this is for upper, lower, anybody. I mean, a couple of old broads close to 50 loved this book. So yes, <laughs> it's just brilliant. And if you're a writer, you should definitely check out this book. Yes. How he did it is amazing. I definitely want to case study this the heck out of this book. <laughs> and how he like so perfectly wrote these British characters that to the point where you really thought it was written by a man fr- who had spent his whole life there is really a great case study and dialogue. Well, and not to mention like the kids from all over the world, they have such unique personalities. This isn't a spoiler, but I love the dossier at the very end of the book. Me too. It tells who's who, where they're from, how they got there. But it just made you realize how unique each of the characters are and how much time he must have spent developing the characters because they, I mean, the dossier includes their likes and dislikes and they're not anything like they're so unique and fun. 
Well, and that's totally, you could see that I thought at least I'm like, that's a page out of his Bible. Like, you know, the Bible you make to go with the book as you're writing it. Like that's right out of the beginning pages of that, where you're like, okay, this is this person. This is what they like, what they don't like, what they do, what they don't, when their birthday is, their physical description. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Yeah. So anyway, go run, buy that book. It's fabulous. City Spies by James Ponty. All right. So, wow. Those are some great options. I think so too. There's like, and very diverse. Yeah. Like a very diverse cast of characters and, and themes and areas. And I think it's awesome. We got middle, lower, and everybody. Everybody. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with our pick six. Spoiler alert. It's more spy stuff. Mostly all from Margie because she's crazy spy person. Agent 99. Just call me 99 from now on. It's fine. <laughs> okay. 99. We'll be right back. For today's pick six, we're going to give you some resources for when you have a spy junkie in your home. So if you have a kiddo who's a spy junkie, here are our top six kid-friendly resources to help train your budding spy. I feel like you shouldn't say if you have a kid that's a, that's a spy junkie because I'm the mom. My kids aren't really into spies as much as the mom is. So if you have the, or you have a mom who's a spy junkie. <laughs> Check these out. <laughs> Check these out. All right. So there is spy stuff everywhere, right? And of course, now now that people are figuring this out, there's all these things that you can go online and buy. You know, go online and get your kid a personalized spy mission for $37 or whatever. You don't need to spend all that money. That's ridiculous. But the reason it's so big is it's cool, obviously. But it, it really helps with critical thinking, attention to detail, planning and follow through, risk taking and problem solving. Oh, smells like stem um <laughs> oh wait smells like steam yeah so it's the same concept so steam stem that stuff is so huge because it's all about problem solving attention to detail critical thinking follow through risk taking everything you need to be a spy who knew that just by being a science teacher i was ready for a spy job there you go know. um and i almost kind of bilingual so maybe anyway so here's the things the, one of the books that I would totally recommend is called Top Secret, A Handbook of Codes, Ciphers, and Secret Writings by Paul B. Genseco. And we'll link these on the show notes. It's a great book. And especially like the codes and the secret writing, stuff like that. It's really fun if you kind of have a word nerd. If you ever had a kid that's super into puzzles and spies, give her this book. This is perfect. The Real Spies Guide to Becoming a Spy by uh, Peter Ernest and Suzanne Harper. That's a really great one, too. That's another book that I would recommend. And it comes out of the National Spy Museum. Ooh, fun. If you're not familiar with the National Spy Museum, it's in Washington, D.C. And it is really cool because it's a history of spying. It, it, it goes everything from like Ethel Rosenberg all the way up until, you know, like the high tech cyber spying. They often have a lot of great stuff on their website anyway, but this book came from that museum. So it's called The Real Spy's Guide to Becoming a Real Spy. It's got like things you need to know. That's where I got the fact about the Indian thing. Um, it's got a lot of interesting facts, interesting stories, histories, that kind of thing. It's it's a real, and it's chunked in a way that kids would understand it and be excited by that. And that's very much like the next one, which is a How to Be an International Spy by Andy Briggs. And that's part of the Lonely Planet Kids books series. And that's kind of in that same vein, but it's um, it's a little more international, like a little more like how spies all over the world, as opposed to the real spies guide to becoming a spy is a little more um, America centric, if that makes sense. You know, both of them are really 
awesome books. I would say you could easily choose either one and have no no problems. Number four, this is crazy. So the CIA, the Central Intelligence Agency, they have this whole thing where they're trying to recruit kids to be interested in spying now so that they could follow through and actually become CIA agents in the long term or younger CIA agents. Just like the book, like City Spies. Yeah, like spy kids. Yeah, they want to be like kid spies because it makes perfect sense. Who could be a better spy than a kid, especially a chubby kid like Hail the Whale? No one's going to think that the chubby kid is, even though he is wearing black spandex, is going to be a spy. So it's kind of brilliant. But anyway, the CIA, as shady as they are, of course, what they like to do is suck the kids into them. And their website, it's CIA.gov backslash spy dash kids backslash games. If you just you just Goog um, CIA and kids spies, you'll get there. It's no big deal. They have these crazy games. They have all kinds of um, history of like of, of missions. They tell you all this background about how they became spies and what they've done as the CIA, all in like kid-friendly terms, as opposed to the adult page. And then they have these crazy games, like uh, word search kind of games, cipher games, like all these different sort of like detail games, problem solving games, um, video games on their website that you can play. So it's really fun. The number five is a book that I recommend. This book is kind of hard to find, but I did find it online a lot at um, Amazon and thrift books and places like that as a used book. It's a little bit older. I use this book when I taught science and it's called Spy Science 40 Secret Sleuthing Code Cracking Spy Catching Activities for Kids. If you've got a little, oh, by excuse me, by Jim Weiss. If you've got a little science nerd spy, it's epic. It's really stuff like lifting fingerprints and visible ink, um, you know, like decoding secret powders to, you know, like mixing. And it's basically, they're very sort of simple science labs, but they've kind of reformatted them in a spy sense. So it's a really fun book. And that's called Spy Science, 40 Secret Sleuthing, Code Cracking, Spy Catching Activities for Kids. And like I said, it's a little bit older. I think it's from the mid 90s or late 90s, but you can find it out there as a used book. And the last one is the Spycraft series on Netflix. Have you watched this? No. How did I miss this? I mean, it says in the, like, at the beginning, it doesn't say, it says like mature audiences or whatever. I'm like in, in like the second or third one and I haven't seen any boobies or anything. So I'm not quite sure. Sometimes Netflix says that because it's got smoking or whatever in it. But it's it's a series on Netflix and it's all about different spycraft, how they've invented different, like, hello, the phone shoe how that came into being. There was this one, my older son and I were watching it and they were stealing secrets. I can't even remember when it, who it was. It was, I think it was like World War One. The butler, obviously the butler did it, was the spy and he had exchanged the shoes and the shoes had a hollowed out soul and they couldn't figure out like, they kept doing these scans. They knew that they were, that. of course, it was Russia. It's always Russia. We're stealing secrets, but they couldn't figure out how. And then they checked for bugs everywhere, did all the scans, and they finally scanned the guy's shoes. It was some government agent, uh, official. And when they scanned his shoes, they found the microphone hidden in the heel of his shoe, and he'd been wearing them for months and had no idea. So it's like that kind of stuff, which is what I love. I, I love that spy craft where they turn regular things, you know, like the camera pen and all that sort of spy gadgets. And it's just a, a it's kind of heavy for younger kids. But my older son is almost 13 and he likes it. He watches it with me because he's a nerd too. Came out just a few months ago. It's pretty new. So that's spy craft on Netflix. So those are some things if you need a little bit of extra. You love these books so much now that you've determined to be a spy. That's it. My son was actually asking me the other day, he's like, well, do you think I could be a spy? And I said, I think, you know, like you have dual citizenship, you have like everything about it. I'm like, unfortunately, 
you don't look anything like a Turkish guy. I said, your brother probably has a better chance because he's a little darker and hairier. But I think it's just fascinating. I th- the whole thing about spies are just so interesting to me because there's so much to it. There's so many elements of it that are interesting, but it's also one of those such a great fantasy thing. I'm like, you know, like such a great, like, what if, what if, um, so what's your favorite spy movie or book? Oh, I wanted to include really quick too, um, for the etiquette and espionage in that series, character has a educator's guide. So there's probably a lot of fun curriculum stuff that you could do with that too for, for homeschoolers or teachers. Okay. My favorite spy book, because I'm not as crazy into spy stuff as you are. And I'm really bad. It's bad. <laughs> Which those are amazing resources. I can't wait to look into them. Can I tell you they're all on my kitchen table right now? Because they are. I wish you weren't so far away. I would come over and see them right now. Just come on over. It's fine. You'll get your vaccine and you can come over. (laughs) So um, my choice is going to sound silly, but I always love the Spy Next Door movie with Oh my God, you and my husband. (laughs) My husband loves everything about Jackie Chan everything i love jackie chan movies and that movie is hilarious because trying to watch him babysit a bunch of kids while working as a spy was just so silly and so fun but i think my favorite thing about that movie is there's a scene where he sings like this cantonese lullaby the youngest child and it is like so sweet and so authentic and i just loved it because in america we don't get to see him speak in his native language very often like you have to watch the old movies to see that but It was just very lovely. And I love that movie. There's one that my husband, whenever it comes on, we have to watch it. And I'm like, I I, I would never in a million years choose this movie. And now I've seen it like 15 times. That's what marriage is, people. I love the old Jackie Chan movies. Those are so fun. I have to say, I love the Americans. That's my favorite. Oh, the Americans. Yes, yes. Uh, listeners, by the way, I have to hear about the Americans all it's the time. It's so good. I am so sad it's done. I haven't even watched the last season because, well, for two reasons. One, you cannot watch it when anyone is around because boobies. And um, there's a lot of things that, you know, you don't want your children to walk in and see while you're watching that. But it's just exactly what I did with the spy book. I didn't want it to end. So I've just been like, oh, I'll just wait till I'm like sick or something and then I'll binge it. But, I, you know, everybody's been home for a year. Thanks, COVID. So there's been no time to watch it. But yeah, it's such a great one. If you're a spy head, oh, watch it. So fabulous. All right. So what's up for our next episode 21? What are we doing next? Oh, for the next couple of episodes, actually, we're going to do a deep dive into environmental lit. So as Margie mentioned earlier, we'll be talking about eco-fiction, which is sort of a new category and it was hard to find books. So, (laughs) but we did find some to share with you. So it'll be exciting. And we're going to be talking about our first nonfiction books, which we have not covered nonfiction at all yet because we're big fiction girls, but I like some good nonfiction too. Yeah. I think it's important that we cover that. I think it's really important. We're going to talk about Poison Water by Candy Cooper and Mark Aronson and The Leak by Kate Reed, Petty and Andrea Bell. Not only is this one our first nonfiction, but it's our first graphic novel. So the leak is graphic novel. And I have to shout out that that's, that was thanks to my uh, amazing children's librarian here in Massachusetts. If you ever have a question and you have a topic that you need a book on, or all you need to do is ask your librarian. That's right. They're like God's gift to the world. Everybody needs one librarian friend for sure. Because they can find anything. I didn't even know this book exists. This book literally, she gave it to me the day it came out. And she's like, here, this is exactly what you're looking for. And I'm like, well, this is exactly what I'm looking for. Awesome. Awesome. 
I'm excited. That'll be really fun. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking forward to reading those. I haven't started on it yet, so can't wait. And the poisoned water one, um, that's about the Flint water crisis. My husband and I nerd about that a lot, but oh, right, but he's a water engineer, so that makes perfect sense. Right now, as a science teacher, yeah, so we, yeah, we have all kinds of things on that. All right, I'll try to keep up with you on that one. Then you're gonna be like, you need to shut up now. All right. So I guess that's a wrap for us this time around. If you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet Discussions, please subscribe to our podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. And if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on Two Lit Mamas podcast on Instagram or Two Lit Mamas on Facebook. And of course, on our website where you can also get um, episodes of the podcast at www.twolitmamas.com. All right. Have a great week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.